You are listening to the Gateway Church in Spring Lake, Michigan. To learn more, visit us at thegatewaygh.com. Man, it is so good to be here this morning. We're going to jump right in. Our time is uh, uh, going to be a little shorter in the Word, but we are studying through the book of Acts. How many have been appreciating the book of Acts? I, I hope you have. And we are in the section of Acts where we are talking about living on purpose. Everybody say, living on purpose. And we're following Paul's missionary journey as he lives a purpose, on purpose, with intentionality to reach people with the, uh, with the gospel. And, uh, you know, I think Paul, as he was living on purpose, he had to have realized that the, one of his greatest joys was when God is working through you and working through him. And, uh, and I was thinking, the joy that we see on the RV Maps group and just the smiles and just the encouragement, uh, isn't it God's great joy to realize that God is working through you to be able to help a church like ours? And uh, I just want you to know that. So two weeks ago, we were preaching through, and we kind of made our way into chapter 13, where we were where we kind of set up Paul's first missionary journey. And we looked at two things, the readiness of the church to send out their first missionary, and also the readiness of Paul and Barnabas, really, but uh, the readiness of Paul to be sent and to go himself and how they partnered together. And the key two weeks ago was that they were led by the Spirit of God. They were spiritually strong. The church was spiritually strong. Paul was spiritually strong. They were being controlled by the Spirit of God, and God was moving. And today, we're going to try to get our mind around, in the next 20 minutes, 25 minutes, the first missionary journey. There's three components. There's a pattern that was seen in, uh, throughout the entire journey, and the, the pattern has three components. The first is there was a communication and then there was opposition, number two, and then the victory came, the fruit came, the glory, uh, the blessing came. And so we're going to try to capture those three things in just a few moments. But I want to throw up the map and just kind of show you on the, on the screen. Uh, Acts 13 and 14, it really starts over on the far right in Antioch. They made their way to Cyprus, up to Pamphylia area, uh, all the way up to Antioch in uh, uh, whatever that says. I can't read it. Poseidon, I think. Uh, and then they made, made their way to Lystra and Derby, And then they came back and kind of circled back, made their way all the way back to Antioch. It was kind of a round trip. And, uh, and I want to encourage you to read uh, uh, these things. Uh, Acts chapter 13 and Acts chapter 14. After today, one of your assignments is to read. Within that, there are six to eight cities or regions mentioned, but the key is found in verse number four of Acts chapter 13. It says the two of them, that's Paul and Barnabas, they were sent on their way by the Holy Spirit. And so they made their way to all these cities. The Spirit of God was directing them. Now, I said there was a pattern, and the first part of the pattern was that there had to be some communication. Someone had to speak. Every city, every region, they shared the gospel. 
Just like Jesus did when he was, we're reading through in our soap reading, and I just want to encourage you, on your chairs is the new soap reading for July. Let's finish up June and then hit July strong. But uh, I was reading, you know, Jesus went everywhere, and the message was, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. How many have been reading that with me? Hopefully all of you, right? And we're in to turn from evil. And they were saying the same thing. They're lifting their voices. In fact, in chapter 13 and 14, uh, eight times specifically it says they opened up their mouth or they spoke or they taught. And, uh, and then there's many others that were indirect. They, the word of God was spreading. They were speaking. In fact, they were even asked to speak. The, the pattern was that it started with them opening up their mouth as they went. Now, I want to just look at one of these examples in chapter 13, verses 14 and 15. Uh, it says this. It says, From Perga they went to Poseidon, Antioch. On the Sabbath they entered the synagogue and they sat down. So uh, Paul and Barnabas, they found themselves in the church on the, on the uh, Sabbath. So uh, for the, in that case, I think it was uh, Saturday still, right? Uh, didn't turn to Sunday till later. But then it says, after the reading of the law and the prophets, the leaders of the synagogue sent word to them, to Paul and Barnabas, saying, Brothers, if you have a word of exhortation for the people, please speak. And so they were asked in this particular uh, spot to speak. They were recognized that they were leaders in the church and they were missionaries sent. And uh, just like we had Maddie and uh, Andy speak here momentarily, they were asked to speak. So they stood up and for the next 25 verses, they share the gospel story. And they do a great job. I want to highlight just a couple verses. Verse 26 says they're talking about uh, salvation. It says, fellow children of Abraham and God-fearing Gentiles, it is to us that this message, what we're sharing right now, this message of salvation has been sent. And so they're saying, hey, salvation is key. Uh, in verse 38 and 39, it says, therefore, my friends, he's wrapping up. It says, I want you to know that through Jesus, the Forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. So they're talking about Jesus. They're talking about forgiveness. It says, through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. And so they're bringing them up to speed. They're bringing the gospel message. And Paul and Barnabas, what I want you to see here is they open their mouths. They preached the word. They were bold. They were spirit led and you know what we are called to be just the same we are called to be bold to be spirit led we are called to speak up and use our voice we're called to share the gospel and god wants us to share and that means every single one of us I've got a quick question. How many have ever, and you don't have to raise your hand, but I'll raise mine, have ever missed an opportunity to share the gospel? Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for joining me. Yeah, a few of you. We probably all have at one point where you weren't bold, where maybe you were intimidated with family or at work or with friends at school or whatever the case might be. And the point I want you to see here is that Paul and Barnabas, they were living on purpose, right? They were a great example. They were missionaries sent on a mission. And we are all missionaries. We are the mouthpiece of God. And the great thing is Scripture says we don't have to worry about what we're going to say in the moment 
uh, God will give us the right words to say, and he will do that. And, uh, and so the pattern starts with communication, and that's what Paul and Barnabas do. They shared, they opened up their mouth. The next two parts I want to kind of put together, and boy, this is going to be tough in the next 10 minutes, but uh, we're going to do it um, with, the, with the best of our ability. There's opposition and then victory. And there are four examples of opposition or persecution, and it leads to victory, blessings, the strengthening of the church. And I want you to remember, they are sent by the Holy Spirit, they opened up their mouths, but there are four different things here. And the first is that opposition looks like a full-on satanic attack. And uh, let's, let's just look at it in verse, or chapter 13, verses uh, 6 through 11. It says, They traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer, a false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant to the proconsul, Sergius Paulus. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the sorcerer, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elymas and said, You are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. You, will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind for a time, not able to see the light of the sun. Immediately a mist and darkness came over him. He groped about, seeking someone to lead him by the hand. What we see here is that in our journey, as we lift up our voice, we may encounter evil people. In this case, it was a sorcerer that was opposing the gospel. The devil was at work through this man. I was thinking about it. My sister, back when we were growing up, uh, one of the outreaches we did as a youth group uh, in Detroit, we were uh, downtown Detroit, and my sister was three years older than I was, and I was in her group, and we were approaching these people, and there was some Satanists that were very outspoken. And I just remembered this week, and I was, I don't know why the Holy Spirit brought it to my attention, but uh, we're out there, and I'm thinking, we better run. And my sister, as bold as can be, my older sister, Corey, stands this guy in the face and tells him the gospel message. And just right there, and he's like, we believe in Satan. We, we are, this is Satan's territory, I remember him saying. And it didn't phase her a bit. And it's kind of like Paul here standing up and saying, you are a child of the devil. And it was like, whoa. And, uh, and, and, we, and we walked away, and, and God really used my sister in that moment. It was a good testimony for me. I don't know about you, but I've been, I've uh, walked off planes in different cities across the world, and maybe you haven't had the opportunity, but where you feel a spiritual oppression in cities or in regions, that's what was happening here. And there was demonic activity. Now, do we need to be scared of de demonic activity? No. There should be no fear. We know that the Bible says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, Right. But the great thing is, is that opposition didn't just stay there. It moved to victory. Let's look at it. Verse 12. Verse 12 shares the victory. It says, when the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed and he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. In this case, the victory was that the proconsul, the man, he was, he was led to the Lord. 
Yes, sometimes opposition looks like satanic attack, and we have to be aware of that. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. The second opposition looks like a debate. In chapter 13, verses 42, we'll start there. And look at this. It says, as Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about the things on the next Sabbath. When the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devoted converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. Verse 44, on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. I love that verse. Uh, I, I think about that, and I think, man, the power. And you might stop there and say, wow, things are going so great. They're communicating in, in a different city here, and they're saying, wow, look what's happening. But look what happened. It says, when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. They began to contradict what Paul was saying, and they heaped abuse on them. They argued. They were contradictory. They were debating. They were heaping abuse on the apostles, uh, Paul and Barnabas. But Paul and Barnabas, they stood their ground. They shared what they knew to be true. Quick question. How many of you have ever shrunk back because of fear when you're sharing? Maybe fear of the debate fear of a word war, or fear of a verbal lashing, and you're saying, man, I can't stand up to this person. They, they have everything figured out, it seems. But listen, if they don't know Jesus, they don't have everything figured out, and you have something to share. The truth is, the Bible will support itself. And if you share the word, you stick to the basics, stick to what you know, even if it's a little bit, and the promises that the holy spirit will help you some people love to debate how many know someone like that if you're sitting next to them just give them a little butt nudge uh, i just would say when you're sharing the gospel be careful of the debate you don't want to walk away but you don't want to interrogate uh, not interrogate uh is that right antagonize you got it antagonize just put that in the notes and antagonize you don't want to antagonize uh, because uh, because it can it can lead to destruction but listen uh, don't be afraid of the debate in this case there was this debate and it led to victory we see the victory a little later in verse 48 look what it says this is so cool verse 48 it says when the gentiles heard this so they're they're talking back and forth it says, they were glad and they honored the word of the Lord and all who were appointed uh, for, eternal, for eternal life, they believed. It says, the word of the Lord spread throughout the whole region. Verse 50, uh, but the Jewish leaders uh, incited the God-fearing women on high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution. So there's that persecution again, the opposition against Paul and Barnabas, and expelled them from the region. So you're thinking, man, this is good. it got really bad. They were not only debating, they ended up kicking them out. Look what Paul and Barnabas do. They shook the dust off their feet, and they warned them, and they went on to Iconium. In verse 52, what was the attitude of the disciples in this moment? It wasn't all down and defeated. It says in verse 52, the disciples were filled with joy, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They shake the dust off, they're filled with joy. Opposition moved to 
victory after they communicated the gospel. So sometimes there's satanic influences. There's a debate sometimes. There's another type of opposition. Sometimes opposition looks like division as well. This is very interesting. I like this one. Ver, chapter 14, verse 1, it says, in, At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went as usual into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. Praise the Lord. So positive. They shared. They opened up their mouth. They're communicating. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the other Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time speaking boldly to the Lord who confirmed the message of his grace uh, by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. And then here's the key to this opposition. The people of the city, they were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. When I was studying this and looking into this, I'm saying, wow, the gospel message will be a divider. When you speak up for or against something, you are picking a side. You are no longer on the fence. Quick question. Have you ever not shared for the fear of not being liked or accepted? Maybe you are feared that you'd be excommunicated from the family. Or maybe you wouldn't be invited to the cool party. Or you wouldn't be included in the stuff at work. I was just sharing with uh, my daughter, Reagan. Uh, she's in the workplace 40 hours a week down in Holland. I'm really proud of her. And uh, she's 18. And, I, and she was saying, you know, uh, they'll come in, uh, the, her coworkers, and talk about their weekend. And uh, the, they're, they're doing stuff together. And she's like, hey, I've never been invited. Or, I've, you know, whatever. And I, I remembered, I was sharing. It's not exactly what you said, but... She's saying, that's not what you said. <laughs> Quiet. <laughs> Did I get the basic of it? Yeah, thanks. Okay. <laughs> Never mind. Let's just move on. No, just kidding. And I was telling her, I remember, uh, and this is, this is what I remember. In, in, when I was 18, I was working a, in Troy uh, at a restaurant, and I remember all the other servers and the cooks and stuff, they'd be hanging out, and back then they would actually print out pictures. And I remember times that they would be like flipping through pictures of these parties or these get-togethers, and I'm like, I was never invited. There was a divider, and it was okay. And I told Reagan, I said, hey, you don't have to fit in uh, all the time. But what do you do with this? You know, it, it's what our soap reading was saying in the Beatitudes, right? Blessed are those who are persecuted. When you speak up, it will be a divider. Um, the Beatitudes talk about that. We need to count it all joy. The result in this case was in verse 4, that when it says the people of the city were divided, you'd say, does that, that doesn't sound like victory. Well, yes, it does. Because some believed, and once they heard the message, once they heard the gospel, they had a choice to make. There was no more riding the fence. And because of that idea, we should lift up our voice and give people a choice. And it will divide, yes, but it will give people a choice to either serve or not to serve. There's a pattern. It starts with communication. There's opposition, satanic, a debate, division. The fourth one 
is that the opposition can look like false glorification. And uh, Pastor Bobby and I, we talked about this one, and I think that's the best terminology that we could come up with. Um, But Acts 14, verse 8. Let's look at this. The interesting story here. Verse 8 says, In Lystra there sat a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul. So Paul is speaking again. See the communication as he was speaking. Uh, Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, and he called out, stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. I mean, we're talking miracle right there. Incredible. Verse 11, though, says, when the crowd saw that what Paul had done, they shouted in their language, the gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas, they called Zeus, and Paul, they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bowls and brought wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowds wanted to offer sacrifices to them. So God is working through Paul and Barnabas. They do this. They, God performs this miracle through them, and the people are all riled up. They're saying, "This is incredible! Look what God is, or look what look what is happening here!" And they begin to flatter Paul and Barnabas. Look how great they are! Uh, you know, and what's interesting in that case, Paul and Barnabas had a choice. They could have let that go to their head, right? And say, huh, yeah, maybe we are pretty great, right? Yeah, go ahead, call me Hermes, right? Uh, Call me Zeus. But they didn't. And we'll see that in just a second. I was studying this and kind of praying about this, and I realized that just this week, something very similar happened to me. And bear with me here just for a second. A friend of mine um, that I associate with uh, almost every week, I stopped by her store and she said, hey, before you leave, you got to pray for my sons. And I said, okay. And so we, we did our business and, and, uh, and before I left, I prayed for her two sons and for their family. And I was like, all right, see you later. And she said, man, thanks for praying. And this is what she said. She said, pastors have a direct line to God. And I turned around and I said, you do too. (laughs) And then I walked out. But I thought about it. And it kind of brought back to my memory. I'm like, that's what's happening right here. Paul and Barnabas, they prayed, they saw a miracle. And we, I mean, we don't know what happened here. But they were exalted, falsely glorified. And it happens more than we realize. I spent some time thinking about this. When someone says to you, oh man, you're such a great husband, or you're such a great father, or you're such a great daughter because of something that you're doing or because of something, we can let those things go to our head. The point is we never want to point the glory on ourselves. Instead, we need to point, deflect the glory back to the Lord. The word was from the Lord, the healing touch. You know, for me as a pastor, and, and we got to watch this, Bruce and Bobby and, uh, and uh, Rachel too, uh, when you, you know, present a message or something, uh, so many times people are like, oh, pastor, that was such a great message. And I'd be like, yeah, just call me Hermes, right? And, and, uh, 
and uh, that would be the wrong direction. And it's important for us. My pastor in Dayton, who mentored me for eight and a half years, uh, some of you guys know him, uh, Pastor Brown, and uh, he, he would say, don't touch the three G's. Uh, you don't want to touch the gold, so you be careful with money. Be, don't touch the girls, because that's, you know, uh, inappropriate. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and you never touch the glory, is the third one. He says you always deflect that back. And it can be subtle, it can be overt, and we got to be careful. You don't touch the glory. Question, what does Paul and Barnabas do? Look at it, verse 14. It says, when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they said, hey, keep it coming, right? No, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd shouting, friends, why are you doing this? We too are only humans like you. Skip ahead to verse 18 if you can. It says, even with these words, and they kind of convinced them, saying, hey, look, this is just us. Verse 18, even with these words, they had a difficult time keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. They, they deflected the glory, just the opposite of what King Herod did a couple weeks ago, remember? When Herod, they were saying the same thing, saying, Herod the Great, Herod the Great. And he's like, yeah, and God took him down and, uh, and took him out. You say, well, where is the suffering in this? Uh, well, let's look at it. It says, verse 19, Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned, I'm sorry, did I back it? Verse 18, even with these words, they had a difficulty. So they're saying, hey, we still want to sacrifice to you. Then some Jews, verse 19, excuse me, came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city thinking he was dead. Say, well, where's the victory in that, right? Listen, the victory was in the fact that they were called to suffer close to being martyred at this point later on paul did give his life for for jesus a couple weeks ago we talked about martyrs that it was the blood of martyrs that advances the kingdom we talked about that uh, there's no glory apart from suffering and the importance of suffering for the gospel suffering is the seed to growth in the church that's something Dick Brogdon, one of our heroes, right, Rachel? Um, suffering is a seed to growth in the church. Without suffering, the church will not advance. In fact, a little later, uh, verse 21, 22 says they preach the gospel. Uh, verse 22, they strengthen the disciples and encourage them. And this is what they encouraged them with. They said, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. It's the truth. We are called to suffer for Jesus' sake. The pattern is there's communication, then there's opposition, but the victory comes. And sometimes the victory looks like suffering, more persecution to advance the kingdom even further. As we wrap up today, and I kind of did it. We've got just a couple minutes here. There's an action plan that I want to just share. There are four ways of opposition that hit in this story. And kind of what can we learn from this? The first thing is we must be led by the Spirit of God. It's just an absolute must. 
if we're going to go and open up our voice, we better be controlled by the Spirit of God. The second thing is that we need to speak up. So there it is. We need to lead by the Spirit, and then we need to speak up. And, you know, some people say, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm in a situation, and I'm just living the life and just as an example, and I don't really speak up all that much. And I get that. How many have heard that before? You, you're living out the, your testimony and before your friends or before your family, and, uh, and I'd say that that's an important piece. But don't forget to share when the Holy Spirit prompts you. And don't be afraid. You can speak up. And even if a debate, even if, you know, uh, you know a division happens, even if they're, you know, in some ways, you know, if the, the enemy is attacking, listen, you can stand up and God, he'll use that. That leads us to the third action point. Be ready for opposition. Because when you speak up, it's a divider. But you don't have to worry. You don't have to fear. The Lord will fight your battle. He'll fight my battle. And ultimately, the gospel will advance. And that leads us to the fourth action point. We must be motivated with the idea that we are reaching one more. What burns in your heart should be this idea that there's people in our lives that need the Lord, that need Jesus. And despite opposition, we need to speak up, being led by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Amen. You are a missionary, no question. And I want to encourage each of us not to hold back. Don't let fear, don't let the inconvenient, don't let the satanic attack or the division or the debate holds us back. I was thinking about it just briefly. What if Paul and Barnabas would have kept quiet in the, in the face of that sorcerer and they were like, ooh, we better just go. There's opposition. In that case, the proconsul may have never accepted Jesus. And so it was worth it, the opposition. In the second case that we talked about, the debate. What if they, you know, they're, they're given the backlash and, and this debate from the old, old Jewish customs to, to now uh, the new faith. What if they would have just backed off and conceded what would have happened? We don't know, but the gospel may not have moved forward in that city the way it did. Or what if in the site of division, they're saying, no, let's just keep everybody happy. Let's just, you know, it's okay. You can believe what you want, Right. What would have happened? It would have been a wishy-washy situation for sure. Or what if they received that glory and that, that glorification and it was a false glorification, but what if they just said, oh, yeah, uh, and they didn't tear their clothes and say, no, we're just humans like you. What would have happened potentially is that others would have said, hey, I can obtain that type of power or it's all about me. It's all about what I want or how I can look good. And I was thinking about it and sharing it with the staff, that kind of idea, like what if Paul would have, and Barnabas would have kept quiet in any of these circumstances? And I said, I said, man, that would have really weakened the gospel, right? And Pastor Bobby said, no, that's no gospel at all. I was like, ooh, you're right, you're right. And the point is, is that we've got to share. We want to give the glory to God. And God, he's going to help us 
to do that. Let's stand all across this place this morning. The Lord is here, and He wants to challenge us in this moment, I believe, in this closing moment. God, I pray that in the, just in the next few moments that, that You would just help us, Lord, to get our hearts and our minds around this idea that we are called, each of us, to communicate Understanding that there will be opposition, but Lord, ultimately the victory is yours, and you've called us to do that. Hallelujah. As we stand here and, and just ponder maybe the week ahead of us, can you envision a time this week when you're going to be with an unbeliever? Maybe at work, maybe at home for some. Maybe for some of you, it's at the club. For others of you, you can envision going out to eat, and you're saying, Pastor, make it quick. And uh, you're saying, but maybe you can envision someone that doesn't know the Lord at lunch today. Whatever the case might be, I want you to just kind of lock in to that idea of rubbing shoulder, maybe at the grocery store, grocery store, or at Menards, or uh, or wherever you are, you're rubbing shoulders with someone that doesn't know the Lord. Can you picture that for with me for a moment? And now I want you to see yourself being led by the Holy Spirit, and you opening your mouth, speaking up. And sharing the gospel. Now, will opposition come? You know it will. Be prepared for that. But it's all worth it because we are going to reach one more. And with that idea, I want to challenge you and I want to pray a blessing on you as we leave that God would go before you and behind you and all around you and help you this week to be his mouthpiece. How many are willing to do that this week when those opportunities come? Hallelujah. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you have called us. You are leading us. And God, I pray that you would give us moments where we can speak up and we can be used for you. Lord, we thank you for this. I pray now that you go before us, behind us, and around us. Protect us in this journey. And God, will give you all the praise. Come on. And we'll give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen and amen. Turn and greet someone as you leave. God bless you. Go in the grace of God. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegatewaygh.com.